0: Welcome back to the Wall Street Coach Podcast with your hosts, Kim Ann Curtin and Lucas Peterson, hosts. And we're here today to talk, uh, this is what, episode nine? I think it's episode nine uh, of all the podcasts that I've done for the Wall Street Coach. Uh, And because right now we're recording on the day before Thanksgiving, we're going to focus on... Receiving. We're going to focus on gratitude and joy, and just talk about how some of those are easier said than done. And just give you guys some kind of tips and tricks on why these are so powerful. Uh, I think a lot of people can kind of what's the word? Trivialize them or make them seem like they're just so soft and not important. And uh, hopefully, you'll see at the end of this conversation that they're pretty they're pretty powerful. Uh, tools so yeah how are you Lucas? Yeah,
1: I'm doing really well okay. yeah how are you?
0: I'm doing good I'm doing <laughs> good had a whole morning of steady yeah. trade so uh, it, I feel like I'm all warmed up
1: <laughs> for sure yeah, good. for sure
0: yeah yeah
1: I'm uh I'm in my my childhood bedroom so you are <laughs> I'm at my bedroom? parents house oh, for for so the awesome. <laughs> that's
0: awesome that's yeah. a perfect place and like I was telling
1: be you before they're used to there used to not be a plant here. There was just like I don't know motocross posters and.
0: Let's see the magazine. Of- let's yeah. let's share the magazine with oh, yeah. everybody because I.
1: So I found classic. I found this old Racer X magazine from uh, like 2000. I don't know, eight maybe maybe 2005. Awesome. Oh yeah, April of 2005, <laughs> Racer X when <laughs> I used to race dirt bikes so.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. We were talking a little bit before we filmed this uh, about how how old he was when he was racing those uh, motorbikes. So you were how old?
1: I was like 13 to 19 were were when I was racing.
0: And how many? I was never that
1: good, but.
0: But I'm sure you were good. If you stayed on the bike, you were good. How many uh, bones did you break?
1: Uh, (laughs) You should have jumped Yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) yeah I broke I broke more bones than I won races so oh, I, that's, God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the hint of maybe the reason you have to but I'm kind of jealous of you I but I would have were there any girls doing it back then
1: um there were a few yeah I had friends yeah. um okay that were that were women that or girls I guess at that age yeah. that were that raced yeah, yeah. that's pretty some, awesome some of them are were really good so
0: really but, yeah. okay that's cool yeah. I think that would have been a fun thing. I, I I think I always wanted to ride a motorcycle when I was little and I always wanted to play drums, which I kind of got the feeling like girls weren't allowed to do those two things. So I still have a little, you know, secret desire to have a girl's motorcycle one day or get a drum set. And do that it. girl, have you seen have you seen that little girl? What's her name? That like 10-year-old girl who's like a drumming genius. Oh, the drummer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. so I've seen videos. good. Oh, my gosh. I've loved watching yeah. her. And she's talking to Dave Grohl, right? Is it yeah. Grohl? Yeah. yeah. And he's, like, encouraging her. I'm just, like, oh, that girl, she must be beside herself. That is the coolest thing. Yeah. Yeah very jealous of her. All right. So we're going to talk about, you know, especially because it's the day before Thanksgiving, uh, just about the importance and kind of some of the data on gratitude. And I know for myself, uh, I I have to say, I'm not sure where or who it was that, that taught me about gratitude early in my life, but I did learn that lesson pretty early. It could have been because there was a bit of a challenging childhood for me. And I think I probably in the midst of that really did try to focus on the positives so I could just kind of get through it. And so perhaps that practice developed early in me, but I have been amazed uh, when things are challenging or when I'm having a rough week that I do have a tendency. Uh, to stop and spend some time on a gratitude list. And just, you know, sometimes it's just little bullet points in a booklet of like 10, 20, 30, 50 things. And uh, I can see that my mode shifts after that. Um, and I know there's some data that you found for me about this concept of gratitude. Was it a Berkeley study on gratitude? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah Berkeley Berkeley did a study on gratitude where they had three different groups of participants who Um, all received like counseling, but then one group was instructed to write a letter of gratitude to another person each week for three weeks. Uh, The second group was asked to write like their deepest uh, thoughts and feelings about negative experiences. Mm -hmm. And then the third group didn't write anything. Um, Yeah. And what they found was the people who wrote the letters of gratitude to other people even if they didn't give them to the other people just um they used like uh what they called um first person plural words words like we and uh pot around positive um thoughts and then they found uh four to 12 weeks later all these people in the the group that wrote the gratitude gratitude letters um reported having be- better mental mental health than when they started the yeah. the yeah. study um, and the others found that they were uh, the same they were wow. stagnant so wow that is yeah. awesome
0: and if I remember correctly this was a group of participants that were reporting some forms of depression and sadness and you know they were just struggling uh, and asking for mental health counseling right
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. all of them were so.
0: And that, and that, um, you know, I think that just that idea of like, even if you're not giving the letter to somebody, but you're spending the time and flexing the brain muscles to remember all the benefits that have happened to you or all the good things that have happened. I do think it takes you. I, I find it takes me quickly into another kind of dimension. If another kind yeah. of paradigm, do you find that yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I, I try to practice some form of gratitude every day. It's usually, um, in the mornings and in the evenings, I have like a morning routine where I s- stretch yeah. and, uh, yeah. do some like it, but one of my, it's kind of like a little meditation at the end of it where I just try to like think of three things. Uh, I don't even write them down anymore, but I used wow. to, and it's just like three things that I'm grateful for. And yeah. sometimes I feel like when, when we're in our most, um, like frantic moods, yeah. um, that really helps slow me down where it's like where I feel like I have a lot to do. And if I just think about the three, just simple things that, you know, they're not big things that have happened in my life yeah. recently. They can just be, you know, um, extra, like
0: extra whipped cream on a Starbucks uh, coffee. No,
1: <laughs> yeah. It can be that <laughs> it can be, you know, that I, uh, you know, that we have this podcast to record yeah. something like yeah. simple like that Just say. And yeah. yeah. Yep. How about you? Yep. Do you, uh, what kind of gratitude do you practice?
0: You know, I, I do have a tendency to reach out to people and kind of just let them know that they really matter to me. Sometimes it'll be a text. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a call. uh, Sometimes it's just checking in with someone I try to do that, like, you know, I I remember years ago hearing about I don't. I think it was Thankful Tuesday or Thankful Thursday. I can't remember what the mm. guy called it, but he would reach out. He was a famous. I think I. Where did I read this? He was a famous producer in Hollywood, and he would go and call all the uh, A-listers who had slipped to B-listing, like maybe their last movie didn't do so well, and so they were. He, he felt like these are people that are going to be back at the A-list, but they were not the A-list now. Probably nobody was giving them any love. They didn't feel anybody's st- cared about them anymore, he would them when they were in that B-list phase. And he would just let them know he was thinking about them, checking in on them, you know, don't worry, it'll pick back up. Because he felt like he wanted to obviously be a contribution, but also because he was a smart enough producer to realize that in a year or two when they're back on top, if I'm the nice guy they remember from the dark lean years, then maybe I'll get them <laughs> to agree to my movies in the future. And so, yes, he had a little bit of an ulterior motive, but I thought, wow, that is just so genius. And also because he felt like those were people he wouldn't have talked to, he hadn't spoke to in so long uh, that It was time. It was like he'd have some sort of a uh, tickler file of the people he hadn't talked to in a while. And he just made that extra effort. So that when I heard, I think I learned that about 10 or 15 years ago. And I was like, that is so genius. So that's what I'll do even with clients like me. I haven't heard from clients for a really long time, or it's been a while since they completed their sessions or their company sessions. And then I'll revisit them. How you doing? What's going on? Like, I didn't genuinely want to know, but I think it's just, a brilliant way to kind of reconnect Um, Yeah, and and usually, you know, say something grateful. Sometimes they've made an introduction to a new client or new prospect. So I'll be like, hey, thanks so much. And I remember that, that you did. And that was amazing. You know, just I I think I find I'm nourished when I do that, when I acknowledge somebody else, I walk away feeling better uh, inside my own self. So, yeah, to me, it seems like a no brainer.
1: Well, it, it, it makes me think of like, if you, it, this happens, you know, every once in a while, but you get like a text out of the blue or an email out of the blue from somebody you haven't heard from or thought of in a while. And they're just like, Hey, how are you? Or, Hey, yeah. I was thinking about that time we did this and that was fun That's and, right. or something like that. And just that, I think that I always feel, you know, a, a sense of uh, completeness and happiness yeah. when I, I hear that from yeah. people. And so for sure, it's, out it, there's no reason not to be that person giving it as well.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I think if one makes it a habit or a practice, then it doesn't, it just begins to bake into your day to day or bake into your life. And uh, it also, I believe it facilitates you realizing how good you've got it. Right. Because yeah. everybody's got something and the more f- you focus on what you do have, as opposed to what you don't have uh, it, it can just shift your vision. There's there's a practice that I love uh, called Appreciative Inquiry and it's something, God, I think it's been around probably for 20 years, possibly more, but it's a methodology of going into an organization and they call it AI, but this was before artificial intelligence. So <laughs> you can't call it AI anymore, but you go into an organization as a coach or a consultant and you look at what works. You don't even talk about what doesn't work. You just look at what works and you turn the volume up on that. And what they found over years of studying this technique is that the bad behaviors, the bad things that are not ideal, have a tendency to dissipate on their own because that which is working just gets turned up so much in volume that it becomes a momentum that catches everything and kind of discharges those things. And I I thought that was just fascinating when I first started coaching God, yeah. you know, talk about focusing on what you want instead of what you don't want, you know, just changes yeah, the whole game.
1: It's interesting too. That makes me think of like, uh, within trading, um, mm-hmm. that's something that I had to do early on. Cause you want to, I mean, sometimes you want to like emulate what other successful traders have done and try to do what they've done. Um, and, but I found that there were certain strategies that I would try that just didn't work for me. And yeah. so rather than trying to like figure out why they're not working, it was like, why don't I just do the things that are working? Like, yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> and just, just until they like, you know, don't mess with perfection. If it's, if it's Correct. working, why are, why am I trying to go this other route so
0: totally and i think the brain is wired to go that other route cuz the brain brain wants to know you know the brain wants yeah. to know why and and it's and it's also sometimes curious but it's a, it's a really good question and and i think also we're preparing ourselves our ability to have survived you know the survival of the fittest uh, experience, you know, our ability to survive is because we have a tendency to catastrophize. We, we know how to look out behind that rock, make sure nothing's there, uh, but to a fault. So we have to keep it a little bit in check, you know, and, and when I say survival of the fittest, I think I just want to put a shout out to this book that I love so much, which is actually, uh, Oh, the title, it's by Joy, uh, Joy, Joy J-O-Y-E. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but uh, he wrote a book called uh, Darwin's Lost Theory of Love. And I got this book given to me right after I had finished writing my book, because, you know, I take on in my book, Transforming Wall Street, that Adam Smith was actually an advocate for the book uh, for taking care of the community. You know, everybody speaks to him as the father of capitalism, but he actually was a moral philosopher and he was a huge advocate that with any uh, kind of success in a country, any sort of success that uh, that uh, you could kind of measure, you had a moral obligation to the community, uh, for those less fortunate, for those who had, you know, challenges. And at the, after I, you know, was talking about this a lot, when I finished writing the book, a person said to me, hey, did you ever hear that Darwin and his theory of, you know, survival of the fittest, that he believed ultimately the reason we had survived was not just our ability to look behind rocks, but because... Because we have empathy for one another for you hu- for fellow human beings and he's and my understanding from when i'm reading this book and from doing some research on darwin that never gets covered nobody talks about that and that's why that man's mm. book is so profound uh because they basically he he uses the word love i, I don't even know how many countless times in his uh you know Edict or his uh, white paper, you know, back in the day, they didn't call it white paper, but that's what it really was. And uh, the powers that be at the time, you know, just kind of erased that concept because it just didn't uh, fit in with their political agenda at the time. But I just thought, geez, these two men who inform so much of the way we operate, right? Adam Smith and Charles Darwin, they, they both were talking about love and being a contribution to other people and yet we never hear that so
1: well i think if you if if it makes me think of when you know our society was much smaller you know we didn't live in these massive cities but you had to reciprocate and help out with the community when it's you know groups of less than 200 people or else you like you're going to lose your group and that's correct not a benefit to anyone. It, it's uh, That was another another study that I looked at um, in preparation for this podcast was this Berkeley study about um, why giving is good for you. Mm-hmm. And one of the points that they make in that is that it promotes cooperation and social connection. Yes. Um, and you probably heard about this uh, a couple of years ago. There was this, it happened at like a Starbucks where somebody just like bought drinks for the person behind them. And it was like this, this pay it forward movement that kind of started for a day. And they had like over a hundred cars that just like bought the coffee for the person behind them.
0: Wow. That is the power. Did you hear about that? I didn't hear about that. I I believe, I believe it. I believe it. That, that is, it's that, because I think uh, it is contagious. Isn't that what, I think one of the studies said that uh, it is contagious. Giving is contagious. Giving makes us feel happy. Giving is good for our health. It promotes cooperation, social connection evokes gratitude and is contagious. And I have found that when I have done that, like I've done that for people in a Starbucks where I paid for the person behind me, um, that person, like their level of joy, when they realize that, you know, sometimes you're halfway out the door, but if you're there, they just, it's the, the level of enthusiasm is not in proportion to if somebody handed you $6 for your drink. Yeah. It's yeah. Next level enthusiasm. Yeah. And that's because you feel seen I feel, and because it's so unexpected, but I'm not yeah. surprised that that, you know, took off and, and, because of that one person starting it. It, it, if you've never done it, the other thing that I love to do, especially this time of year, is go to uh, K- Kmart, I don't think there's Kmart anymore, but I'll go to Walmart or Target, and I'll ask uh, what layaways you know, have toys and oh, kids yeah. stuff and then pay the layaway down to a dollar uh, so that the person, you know, they have, it stays in layaway up to a dollar or something like that. But then, but I'll tell you when I've gone and done that, not only am I crying by the time I finish doing that, but the woman at the register is crying. She's usually called the manager. They start crying. And then like, <laughs> it just starts this ripple effect of like, what is she doing? She paid for somebody else's layaway. I want to do that. I want to pay for something somebody's layaway and then all of a sudden it just dominoes but it is like the best hit of joy you could ever get if you're feeling sorry for yourself if you're not around your family you know you just go to a Kmart or Target or what is it called Walmart layaway yeah and boy that it's, it's like better than getting drunk it really is wow that's fascinating <laughs>
1: it's
0: really really fun really
1: fun I bet. Speaking of getting drunk, it made me think of like it's a different thing than uh going to a bar and just buying somebody a drink. That's a very yeah. different type of <laughs> yes.
0: yes, it is
1: reciprocation. It's it is
0: totally, totally different. And and just, you know, your own speculation of, you know, if somebody's got a layaway for 300 dollars at, you know, a Target. I, I can remember my mom putting stuff on layaway and like, yeah. you know, hoping she could make the payments. Cause if you didn't, if she didn't make the payment one week, the stuff Will be put back, you know, and then the, she'd have, she'd get the money back. But I, I remember like just, you know, her trying to like save some pennies to get that layaway payment, done so it's hard not to speculate now of how exciting it was when a layaway would come through when she could afford to get it I just think oh god for you know a parent who's struggling to make ends meet can't afford to get their kids their toys for Christmas or they're young enough to believe in Santa like that person's going to be freaking having their day made when they get that call that their layaway has been paid for with the exception of a dollar. It's like, huh, how is that not like keep you floating for like a week or two, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure in to some degree, they, you know, that part of it being contagious, they pass that on to someone else in their life.
0: I would agree. Cause I, because I think that Doing that for somebody is meeting their needs. And when you meet somebody's needs, you facilitate the feelings, the emotions of, you know, joy, equanimity, peace of mind, relief. Like there's a whole bunch of feelings that come when needs are met. And then you have oxygen and you're in a position to potentially meet the needs of other people. But, and, and that's why I feel it's contagious. The contagion is meeting people's needs. And when you meet people's needs, they they get, they, they experience a whole bunch of feelings.
1: Yeah. It probably also, um, I feel like when you're in a situation like that, I mean, for, mo- for most of us, we're in this situation of scarcity, especially with money. Yeah. Most of the time, Yeah. Um, even if you have enough money, like, yeah, we're in the top, you know, 1% of the world that as far as wealth is concerned, but I still yeah. feel like uh, that I I'm constantly trying to get more money because that's just, the nature of our society uh, and the nature of the way we live. So um, I think that when you do that, when you're able to give them that, in th- that graciousness, they're probably that some of that scarcity is taken away. And I'll bet that that, that helps that, I'd like agree. you're saying, the needs are met there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and I for both parties, you know, we're we're always focused on what we don't have enough of. But when we start to shift our focus to what do we have, what is enough, uh, and how how can that not spread, especially if you're gifting somebody something like that that they, they really do want. It's it, it you know, there's so much grace in this world, you know, and I and I feel like we have a tendency to focus automatically on the things that don't go you know, the way we want them to, and where grace doesn't exist, you know, the news happens to put in front of us all the time, the horrible things that happen. That's why I love that channel, the Good News Network, where they, they show you these little tiny things. There was one that was so cute the other day, that was a UPS driver. Who noticed that the pillows on the couch outside the front door on the patio were like misaligned and he took his, took the time to like put them <laughs> all in order. It was such a simple gesture, but it came from such a beautiful place of like the guys just make their porch look a little neater. And I feel like we all need to see that so that we begin to realize there's so many, so much grease that's being laid down in front of us, but are we open to it? Are we seeing it? It's there, but are we, you know, there's a great saying that says, you know, um, how does it go? It's something like uh, it's always available to us, but are, but we are not always available to it. Yeah. So I I think that, you know,
1: yeah. yeah. I think this is another thing that gratitude helps you see, like practicing gratitude is when you're practicing gratitude, you're able to see the, those smaller things and yeah. especially, you know, in your life, but also in others and be like, wow, that's, you know, just it, to see somebody like fix the pillows. Like that's not always yeah. a, something that you would totally, you'd be like, what's wrong with that person? But right. if you are practicing gratitude, I think you're like, wow, you know, yeah. good for them. Like Agreed. that's such a kind thing. And yeah.
0: Agreed. Agreed. We just, we just read a book in my book club and there's this one, I I only got halfway through it. And there's this one character who's kind of annoying and he's kind of frustrating and he, (laughs) you know, you're, you're, I think the reader is annoyed by this character. And I just found out that by the end of the book, this is the guy that like does this super solid favor for one of the main characters. And you're just like, hmm, like I, who would have expected that annoying guy to be the one who comes through and creates this opportunity, this miracle, if you will. Right. And yet I, I think this is what happens with one another. We have a tendency to put somebody in a box or a situation. And we say this, this is horrible. This is terrible. Look at all these awful things that are going to come. And yet we don't realize that there could be a whole bunch of things that are happening behind the scenes that we'll never be privy to. That we don't know yeah. if there is something there that actually changes or shifts the, the end result, which is part of why I like Byron Katie's work, Loving What Is, is her book. She, she calls her practice the work. And what she's saying is like, how do you learn how to love what is? Not the way you want it to be, not the way you hoped it should be or think it should be, but what actually is. And that practicing that kind of gratitude is like next level. That's next level of gratitude. And I'm able to do it sometimes, but not all the time. So, yeah.
1: you know, that's, that's like the, uh, the age old, like the grass is always greener on the other side, right? It's always I mean, yeah, I feel like we all have this in various versions of our lives, but it's like you see somebody, a friend or a colleague or even somebody you don't know, especially with like social media. And it's like, I need to be there like them, but we're all on our own journey. And we all have so many things that other people are probably envious of us for to a degree. And, you know, sometimes we're not able to recognize all that we have. And that's agreed, Agreed.
0: And it's sad because it's like, what a waste, you know, it's like, it's a waste if we're not really present to just what we do have and what we what we what we've already been given, if you will. And that it's like whew, what what and I feel even Hawaii living here has it changed me because the beauty is so palpable that just driving, you know, 10 minutes to my office, I am like so gobsmacked by how gorgeous the road is, but the sun coming up behind the mountains, like I'm just forced like nature here forces you almost at gunpoint, terrible metaphor, (laughs) be present to it. Be
1: present, yeah.
0: You can't not be like you, 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 uh, you know, and I asked this wonderful friend of mine, Phyllis Fox, who is 89 this year, I think, and she has, lived in Hawaii for many, many years, 30 plus years. And I I said to her at one point a year after being here, do you ever get used to it, Phyllis, the beauty? Like, do you ever get used to it? And I was terrified to hear her answer. And she paused and she said, not once, not one day, not one moment, not at all. And I was like, thank God, because (laughs) if I ever got used to this, somebody's got to come and slap me across the face and wake (laughs) me up. Like it is just, and that this living here has forced me to really start to be much more present to all that is right here in front of me and how grateful I am to be here. So find it where you do. Look, I'm lucky I live in Hawaii, right? But there's plenty of places. There's plenty of people. There's plenty of houses. There's plenty of offices. There's plenty of, you know, men who sell newspapers who are probably loving on you and are you, are you letting it in, you know, yeah, letting it in? And could you let it in maybe a little bit more?
1: Yeah. I think that's a a good point as well. It's just the little things, like, you know, the little interactions that you have, you know, I think we have, we all have less now because of uh, like the coronavirus lockdowns and stuff, but I, I remember, you know, when I when you go to a coffee shop and just having like being present with with the person taking your order and yes. just being present for yes. the thirty seconds can like really shift you and also them Absolutely. just to like have a conversation instead of just being like I'll you know a small black or whatever yeah, that you exactly. like
0: zombie like hey
1: how are you yeah exactly. like, and actually ask
0: and actually mean it and and wait yeah. for the answer. Because honestly there are times when I've done that where that clerk doesn't even know I need it. And so they give me some stock answer and, and on occasion I will say, no, no, I really want to know, like, are you okay? And they're like, Oh, are you talking to me? Like they get all confused (laughs) and it takes them a second to like, oh, you know, it's kind of a long day. And I'll be like, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, what time to get off? And it's like two hours. I'm like, ah, you can make two hours. Like, but we've just both gotten enriched a little bit in that moment. And I think especially because of the pandemic, it's more important now than usual to do that as much as you can because people are starved for the connection. We don't get yeah. the connection other than through Zoom or with those people in our small little pod, so to speak. So yeah, more than yeah. ever, it's really critical to do that. And even with the masks, like you're not able to even really fully, right? So it's like really important to look each other in the eye now more than yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah,
1: because there's uh some some sort of, I forget what it what it was. It was uh, some sort of research that I read about a while back um, where smiles, like seeing people smiling, uh, shifts. They did like MRIs of people's brains and watching people smile, and it like lights up dopamine in our brains to see other people smile. Uh, so yeah, the, with agree. having the mask on, it's an, a different, you know, it's a it's different a,
0: experience. Yeah. It is, but the you know this uh, this guy's name. I hope it'll come back to me. He's a, he's the one. Lie to me was a TV show on many years ago that talked about facial microfacial expressions, and the man who that was in, inspired by. We'll have to put it in the footnotes because I can't think of his name. Alex. At least it's like it's Paul Ellis, maybe. I, I don't know. That's the name is coming to me. I don't know if that's right. But anyway, <laughs> he he had a micro expression course that I took probably 15 years ago where you get literally a half of a second image of a person who is showing a micro aggression or joy or certain facial cues about whether they're lying, uh, whether they're telling the truth, whether they're happy. And what he, I remember learning in his course, what I, what I've learned in his course was that Eve, the eyes actually tell you if somebody's authentically smiling. So I have smiled at people during this pandemic with a mask over my face and I feel like people are smiling back. Like I, yeah. I know because they're seeing my eyes get crinkled if I'm genuinely smiling that I can notice when their face changes just by looking at their eyes. And I, I didn't really remember this until I did when I was like, oh my God, it's the micro expression of joy or happiness that I'm seeing reflected in the eye. So I wonder if that study, you know, that you're talking about seeing people smile. Yeah. What, what that would be like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: they should. They should do it now with masks on and see if I, I'll bet. I'll bet you. I'll bet you're right. I'll bet we can see it because you can see it. I mean, that's our you eyes are tell. where we where everything is. So
0: correct, correct. Yeah. So you should look for it, and those who are listening to us, you guys should look for it too. If you have your mask on and you smile at someone and see if they looks like they're smiling back, I promise you, their eyes will have a certain kind of uh, yeah. For sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. You'll know. You'll know. I don't know what it is. I wouldn't know how to describe (laughs) it, but that crease. And
0: and you can take photographs when, you know, politicians are smiling or actors like, or when people, you can take that person. And if you cover over um, their smile and you just look at their eyes, you can see the ones who really mean the smile and who don't, because you can, you can, you know, I can do a fake smile right now. (laughs) It just doesn't yeah. it doesn't read the same way. Right. Yeah. But a real smile, like <laughs> everything, everything shifts. It's all on these micro expressions. I can't recommend that course enough. If you've never watched that series, I don't know if it's still out there. Lied to me. It was a fascinating series. I really enjoyed it. But the course, I, I recommend the course uh, to a lot of people, especially people who have to like do sales and everything. You can it instantly tell if like a room is listening to you, usually you can feel it. But um, these micro expressions, wow, it was fascinating. I, I remember doing the, the uh, test in the beginning and then, you know, you slowly get to see the picture slow down so you can take in what's going on for somebody. But anyway, it's a pretty cool It's a pretty cool practice. I think there's some disagreement about how scientifically accurate it is, but, but I think the man who created that, you know, he's definitely, he's probably one of a kind who can, who can spot it, you know, and, and I think. I think it's pretty, it's pretty fun to do on your own, you know, just looking on pictures on Twitter and that kind of stuff to see, oh yeah, she does (laughs) not look like she really happy to be there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is, this kind of ties into another thing we're going to talk about, um, today with around joy and happiness Mm. and how we receive joy, um, Mm. or, you know, in ourselves and feel joy and whether we like welcome happiness to actually be felt within ourselves, um, Something that uh, was really eye opening for me was when I read uh, Taming Your Gremlin. Yeah. In that, you know, and it's like he talks about like being open to emotions um, and one of the and how much resistance we have to emotions as opposed to experiencing them. Yeah. And he was like, even joy, we can often, you may have a resistance to joy and not recognize it. And I think. I, I mean, this is all anecdotal in my life and not, but I yeah. think that a lot of us have that. I think there's some sort of guilt around feeling joy or happiness.
0: Yeah, I think um, so. I think yeah. you're right. What do you, I, think, I think joy is for people who have had any sort of challenge in their life and just because of the nature of our world, I feel like joy feels frivolous to some people and or leaves them vulnerable and leaves them wide open to be attacked. Like if you don't have yourself braced for the other shoe that's going to drop, then uh, you potentially are going to get hurt. So can I afford joy? Can I really sit here and just be in joy and be in you know a state of uh, elation without having potentially somebody who's going to unexpectedly come around the corner and steal it from me? So I feel that's a big part of it. It's, it's just potentially a place of, uh, and and it could be that some people in their childhood were not uh, encouraged to have joy, you know, and, or religion or spiritual practices. It could be that joy was seen as something that the family couldn't afford, you know, emotionally, spiritually, or financially. Um, And I think there has been a cultural indoctrination that to be serious or to be uh, studious is more favored and more encouraged or rewarded by the society we're in, at least, uh, than it is to just be somebody who's happy go lucky. Like, somebody happy go lucky, like, well, you know, who do they think they are? You know, they get to yeah. kick back and just be. Relax and and aren't you worried about the state of the world? Aren't you worried about, you know, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank? It's like, well, do we not get to feel joy? Do we have to earn joy? Like, does it have to be earned? So it's like, no, you get to just have it. But I do think there is some kind of discrimination around people who are joyful and yeah. who are happy or that they're dumb. Like, I, I happen to be mm-hmm. a girl who pri- pretty much has been happy my whole life. And I can, i have definitely gotten that, not just because of being a blonde, but, you know, dumb blondes or that people that are joyful or that are happy. Like, what's wrong with them? What's their problem? Like, yeah. I think there's a little bit of that. Like if they were really smart, they would not be so happy. Like as if smart and joy don't go together.
1: Yeah. I think that's true. I think there's definitely something to that. I also, um, I, I think like having an experience in like throughout the university experience, my, I remember learning, like the more you learn, I've learned this in like a philosophy class, but people tend to, the more people learn, the less, Uh, happy they are or something like that. So then it was like almost like that you should be unhappy because that makes you smart. Like that makes you have an IQ or something like that.
0: That's right. Totally. Totally. I've heard that stat too, that the more you learn, the less happy you become. And that is sobering for the people of the world, such as you and me who like to read a lot, who like to learn everything, (laughs) like, because it's like, well, what is this in service to? And uh, one of my spiritual teachers, he's cautions me all the time because he knows I like to read so much and always take in lots of information. And, you know, at some point he's just like, when, when is it enough, Kim? And I'm just like, ah, that's a really good (laughs) question. When is it enough? And I'm like, I don't know, but I have to like have that question present, be present to it. Like, when is it enough? When is it enough? When do we know enough? When do we give ourselves uh, permission to have joy and and or not feel this sense of it has to be earned that we yeah. that we are not doing something wrong or bad if we let ourselves have it for no good reason especially on the days when there's no good reason especially on the days when things are you know globally horrific like if you can't have joy in the middle of those moments um you know hell what the heck you know what's the point of it all
1: it's like, yeah it's crazy i think I think uh, that's where like practicing gratitude comes in for me. It's finding those, those little things, you know, it can just be like thankful for a tree or something, you know, yeah. just grit it. because it can, it can help shift your perspective. And yeah. I think shifting our perspective, at least for me, that helps yeah. a lot. It's just yeah. like, Once, once you, you see all these problems and you're aware of, you know, the more you learn and uh, you feel, or if you do have that sense of like, I, I've not achieved enough to feel joy or happiness. It's like, what, where do you set that bar? And if you're you're enough
0: to have joy, like I don't have enough to have joy or I don't have X enough or this or that, like, it's like as if that's going to give it to you, but we all know it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, yeah. it's short lived. If you're mm-hmm. saying that your joy is dependent on that boy calling you or that job or that raise, then your joy is always kind of uh, in, it's always hostage to the circumstances.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great point. You know, how do you, have you seen this with clients? And if so, how do you, what, what's the, what's the work there?
0: You know, the work is like doing those gratitude lists at, at either at the end of the day or the start of the day. But I'll tell you, almost everybody resists it. And then once they don't resist it and they do it a week or two into it, they're like, holy shit, this is amazing. I'm just <laughs> like, uh, yeah, <laughs> but but there's so much resistance doing because they feel like it's just so, what's the word, pedestrian or parochial? Like, they're just like, yeah. "How? what could that do for me? How much could that do for me? And I'm just like, I'm telling you, you'll be surprised. And if they do do it, they will be like, oh, my God, I cannot believe the shift that that's given me. So- you know, listen to what I say is the moral <laughs> of that story because I know from which I talk.
1: <laughs> like, but it's funny. Trust the process.
0: Trust the process. <laughs> I'm, I'm always, you know, all of coach training, they always said to us the coaching happens in between the sessions.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And it's not yeah. the conversations, it's what do you take? One, you leave the coaching session into your day to day in between. That is where the rubber meets the road. And that, and this is why it's not for everybody because it's hard work. You know, yeah. people want to come in they want the pill like who they could blame the... them? Give me the pill. Mm-hmm. What's the pill? Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But then I give these tools and they don't do them. And, and they yeah. get the gremlin book and they don't do the exercises. And I'm just like,
1: oh. Yeah. yeah, I was having a, a, a really long conversation with a friend that basically turned into a coaching session about a relationship. Wow that wow. he was having uh, recently. Yeah. And he was like, just tell me what to do. And I was like, this is, that is not my job. I can't tell you what to do. You're like you, uh, this is a communica- communication uh, issue. Totally, and totally, if you want to continue to have the communication like that, yep. keep doing what you're doing. But if you don't, you got to do this really hard part right now.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> And, and I, you know, I think even the concept of people wanting people to tell them what to do, you know, at the end of the day, ultimately you're going to have to take ownership over what that challenge is, and you're going to have to be with the hard, to be with parts of whatever's going on, and that's the part that is hard, and that's why we need encouragement and people around us who can help us get over that finish line, because it is—it's hard to be at the front lines of emotions or people or challenge or confrontation or difficult conversations in ourselves, never mind with other people. Um, so yeah, it's tricky. It's very tricky. And the other thing too, I think we're going to talk about is just receiving and, uh, and there was something too in the giving that I love that tied into the receiving, but just, you know, I, I just can't help but notice that for me personally, when I learned how to receive, which was probably 10 years ago, and I'm still learning, um, my, one of the guys that I dated for a while, he, he said he belonged to the NRA club when we first met. And I was like, what? And he was like, never refuse anything. I was like, okay, that's a club I could join. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, like, it doesn't matter what's offered to me. Like, I think, I think he hated bananas and I was with him when somebody gave him a banana and he took it graciously. He was like, hey man, thanks. And I was like, but you hate bananas. He's like, never refuse anything, Kim. I'm part of the NRA club. And I was like- Oh my God, that is amazing. And I have learned to practice that since then. The other person who taught me how to receive uh, is a woman named Delora Doyle. Uh, She has a couple of books and one of them is, uh, oh God, it just went right out of my head. Okay, I'll I'll name another Laura Doyle, she has three or four books. One of them is Surrendered Single. One of them is Surrendered Wife. But the one I wanted to talk about is that, is that I don't know if it's gonna come up, but but the other <laughs> one is, uh, is it be careful? be careful what you wish for? I don't know. I, look up Laura Doyle, look up those two books and it's not those two books, but those two books are great if you're a single or woman or you're a, a married woman. But um, the heart of her messaging is that the reason, uh, it's like it's like a superwoman book about like a superwoman's guide to whatever. What she talks about is that it's really hard for women to receive. And the reason being is that because of the culture and us being in the workplace, uh, we have to be kind of the person in charge to get things done. And when we change into our intimate relationships, personal relationships, ultimately, we have to come from a place of learning how to receive and not necessarily be the driver of whatever is happening and that that can be really hard uh, because to receive for men and women is requires us to be vulnerable and most of us don't like to be vulnerable because we can get hurt if we're vulnerable and nobody wants to get hurt so they just shut off the vulnerability but we know that if you cut off vulnerability, you cut off joy, you cut off all the other great things yeah. that Brene Brown talked about in her talk. You can't cut off one without cutting off the other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I think the really hard work is to stay open to everything because I think we have this tendency to like shelter ourselves from, For from, sure. you know, feelings because I, one, I don't think we were taught how to experience emotions. Like yes. unless you had a really healthy Relationship with emotional awareness in your family and at yeah. home. Um, I, I think that we are taught by society, um, especially in like formative, like adolescent years, is to, yeah. you know, like uh, I, I can only speak from my experience, but like as yeah. a man, uh, especially, it's like the be tough, nothing affects us. Uh, that's like part of that rugged individualism we have as Americans. Totally. That is, you know, be, be tough, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like yep. nothing can phase you. And yep. to some degree, you have to have that, like in the world, um, but I think it can be really unhealthy, and that turns into toxic masculinity, uh, yep. which is a whole host of other issues. And then you never yep. truly experience joy. You never truly yep. experience gratitude. Yep. You never are able to receive or give in a healthy yep. way.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And that's topic too, we probably should talk about is the concept of toxic masculinity and, you know, where that comes from. Uh, And that's, you know, addressed really powerfully in that book, The Mask You Live In. It's a documentary, not a book, uh, because it shows that that kind of toxic masculinity is coming out of not letting young boys... Uh, and men feel their feelings feel the hard to be with feelings men in a way culturally are expected to always be up and even in that film a lot of the younger boys that are like 12 13 years old they talk about like when you're up when everything's going great you got your bros but as soon as things start to hit the fan and things are not so great you're on your own nobody wants to talk to you nobody wants to hang out with you nobody wants to hear about it so that that you know, is 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 kind of the opposite of what we were saying about joy, right? But because I think it's scary to be with the sadness, it's scary to be with the anger, uh, and boys especially are not encouraged to have it. So when when one of their brothers or friends has it, they don't know what to do with it because they don't know how to deal with it for themselves. But but that's the heart, you know, the heart of uh, receiving. You know, you you can't receive. If you feel you potentially are going to be emasculated for receiving. And if you're a woman, you don't receive well, possibly because you feel that will make you look weak in the work setting. So it's, you know, a lot of times being in that place of learning how to let uh, things in. you know, be, be it just a, I, I remember just, you know, a guy offering me his seat on the train or on the bus, you know, and before I was exposed to Lord Doyle's work, I would not accept it all the time, especially if felt like, oh, well, then the guy's going to hit on me and then I'm going to have to say yes to him for the date, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But what I learned through Lord Doyle's work is like, you can receive, you can receive that seat on the bus and you can receive somebody complimenting you, um, you know, which happens in New York City a lot, usually unasked for. <laughs> like you can you can receive that compliment, quote unquote. I mean, they're not always compliments, right? They're kind of double entendres sometimes. But the point is like, you can take that in without necessarily giving over your power. Like the guy can give me the seat on the bus and I don't have to say yes to him if he asks me on a date. I could say, no, thank you. But I appreciate the seat, you know, like there are, and that's part of what I think uh, I had to learn when I got fortunate enough to, to see her books. And I did a workshop with her. Uh, The first workshop I did with Laura Doyle was actually at Mama Gina, another, teacher of mine uh, who is, they're both, you know, they both teach kind of similar things, but different. They both have kind of different approaches and perspectives on the world uh, for women, especially. I would say Mama Jean and Laura Doyle are probably women authors, if you will. Um, But the heart of the matter is I was in this workshop uh, doing this receiving. It was a compliment. I was with somebody who's giving me a genuine compliment, somebody that knew me, all women at this event and I couldn't keep my eyes open to receive her compliment. So the the key was we had to keep our eyes open. We had to not say anything for like 10 seconds, have the person give us the compliment, not say anything for 10 seconds, keep looking them in the eye. And then we had to say, thank you. It's
1: true. Ooh. Yeah. That's so.
0: (laughs) That was hard. So,
1: (laughs) This is, this sounds like uh, an exercise that everyone should do because um, yeah, it's so difficult. I remember having so much trouble receiving compliments, uh, especially like in my early twenties, you know, somebody would say something to me and I felt like I had to just immediately compliment them back. Yep. Um, And I think that's part of that, like self-imposed pressure to reciprocate Um, kind of like you're saying, like if somebody offers you a seat on the bus, then I have to like, say yes to them or if they buy you a drink at a bar you have to you know talk to to them go dance or whatever yeah totally that's that's not the case though i you know exactly i I think we've we've built that into society and then we take it on yeah we don't have to that's that's not our that's not our our it's not our responsibility
0: not yeah. a responsibility, but it's tied up in that false sense of responsibility. And, and that's also because that concept of codependency, that we're responsible for each other's feelings. You know, and I definitely learned that in my family of origin was I thought I was responsible for making sure my mother was happy and yeah. she was OK. And, you know, so now it's like that false responsibility that I'm responsible for these other people. I mean, I, it was so part of my DNA until it wasn't. And, and now, you know, when I talk to people and they're worried about their daughter, their mother-in-law, their sister, their cousin, their blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, uh, it's none of your business. And they're just like, Oh, yeah. you're so cold. You're so hot. How heartless. can you say you're that? Like, <laughs> how can you say that? And I'm like, actually, I know what it's like on the other side. And I'm telling you, it's none of your business. Yeah. And that is just like a oh, paradigm shifting for people when they can step into it. It is for me. I can't believe that I was able to ever find myself on the other side of this, but thank God I did because I'll tell you, it's a hell of a lot less exhausting to be on this side uh, yeah. than it was on that side. It's it, you're you're holding yourself, you're holding a whole bunch of weight that's not even yours to pick up. It's like you know, you got enough for your own life to carry.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, you don't you need, don't need to. You don't need stuff. to carry
1: everybody else around. That's no, you sure do there's... You sure don't that's that's also another issue that i think we i mean we could talk about it in a different uh, yeah yeah episode but about about like the hero complex that a lot of us have yes. around our families our friends um society as a whole like totally. you, it's yeah it's- it's, um,
0: and, and let's be clear that the hero complex is very different than the hero's journey, which you guys hear me talk about a lot. They are yeah. ve- radically different. one is
1: opposite the, ends exactly, of the spectrum. <laughs>
0: exactly. They are not the same, I promise you. All right. I was looking up Laura Doyle's book here because it's just one of my all-time favorite books. Where the heck is it? Oh, Things Will Get As Good As You Can Stand... When that's the mo- main title. The subtitle is when you learn that it is better to receive than to give. Wow. That book rocked my freaking <laughs> world and completely threw me into uh, what? Like I was so completely shell shocked by that book and uh, it changed my life. Totally changed my life. So if you are a listener, I believe honestly, whether you're uh. Uh, It is a super woman's practical guide to getting everything she gives. Um, Yeah, I guess it's probably mostly for women. There was a part of me that wanted to say to guys, you guys could read it too. You could read it too. I mean, what the hell? But the point is the lessons in there, I think might be a little different for men. But yeah, that book, if you could just think about that for yourself, like men and women listening to this, consider, are you good at receiving from compliments to uh, opportunities to money to like just yeah. see if you have resistance to receiving get curious about it ask yourself what that's about without judging yourself without making yourself wrong just ask yourself would you potentially have a different experience if you let yourself receive and and allow yourself to receive in the small ways like the compliment from a stranger uh you know I'm not talking about being harass on the streets, which can happen in big cities to women uh, and to men for that matter. Um, but the point is, just see if there's ways that you are currently keeping yourself cut off from receiving. Notice the vulnerability you feel, which is understandable, but see if you can just do some work around letting a little bit more of it in because it, it is going to nourish you and we all need that nourishment wherever we can get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is probably an issue sometimes for uh, traders uh, around receiving, like around receiving money. Agreed. Agreed. Um, where uh, I think this happened, I mean, it's hard to tell sometimes early on when you're when you're getting going. But like, if you're the reason you're entering trades, and it's like you're trading emotionally, um, yeah. And whether you're doing it because uh, for whatever reason, but sometimes I think it comes after like winning for a while and you're like getting some momentum. And then you do this, you do something that's completely out of your strategy that just will kind of, it can, it can blow things up to it, to a certain extent. Or you don't manage risk
0: or you're not managing your risk because you're, you're so like, yep, for sure.
1: And for sure. And I think that that was uh, something that I dealt with early on with uh, investing in, uh, trading when I didn't, I didn't totally know what I was doing with trading, but, um, i had made it quite a bit and then i remember it was uh helios and matheson which were like the movie pass guys anyway yeah i took a huge loss on that because i didn't know what i was doing i didn't do the research and then i just like uh yeah took a huge loss because i just was not not doing the strategies that i had used and had worked for for years for me and then i was like all of a sudden just like what what happened and i think that that was also at a time where I recognized I was not great at receiving things, and so I think wow. it was some sort of like, I mean, it's wow. all anecdotal in myself, but
0: yeah, yeah, that's for my sure. story, and I think for I was sure. trying
1: to like level out somehow back to where
0: I think I so. Began. I think that that is what's unconsciously happening for a lot of people, especially traders that let's say have great success early on, and then maybe they don't have it. Uh, consistent, that consistency eludes them later. That's what I talk about the temperature set, that some of us have a temperature gauge set for money and how much is acceptable, how much is enough, how much is too much. There. If our, That's part of why I'm such an advocate for doing some re- relationship work on your, what the relationship is you have to money. So you can find out if, if it feels like, oh, that's just too much money, well then get curious about that because if you ever got the opportunity to have that much money, you might start finding ways to sabotage that coming in. And if you feel you're not worthy of receiving, then you're going to sabotage your own trading account unconsciously because you will feel like you don't have a right to receive. So I'm like, God, people do the work around like, are you feeling that way? Because it's gonna sabotage everything around
1: you. Yeah. For sure, for sure. This this reminds me of uh, the conversation that you had with uh, on the Confessions of a Market Maker podcast, yeah. like right at yeah. the beginning with when Ray starts talking, he's like, this is Kim, uh, we've worked together, I feel like we never talk about trading, but my trading has improved so much.
0: <laughs> totally. Totally. I mean, Ray, you know, he was, he, he, he's so amazing because I think he really gets, and he's probably gotten this even when he was playing poker. I think he's known that his state of mind, his state of him, his own internal uh, was going to impact his ability to play poker well and or his trading. And so I think that, The fact that we never talked about his trading is remarkable and I'm not surprised that that, it doesn't even need to be talked about in a lot of conversations that I have with traders because that isn't the issue. It's the issues underneath the choices in trading that are not trading specific, but related to their own relationship to themselves and or to loss and or to value and worthiness and or to abundance. Like all of these are the things that inform a traders uh, the way they're showing up. And that's why I'm like to, to the traders of the world, you know, the ones who say to me like, I have to make this work, Kim, I have to succeed in this. I got three months money in the bank, and that's all I got. And I've quit my day job or I want to quit my day job. And I'm just like, oh my God, how have you done therapy for 15 years? Have you had a coach for 20? <laughs> like if you haven't done any personal development or self-reflection on any level, You do not want to get your lessons. Like coaching might be expensive, but it ain't as expensive as the market is going to make you pay. So I'm like, do the due diligence. Do you react to people that don't agree with you or do you respond? Like do, do people in your household think you're a hothead or do they think you're somebody who never speaks up for yourself? Like all of those pieces are going to impact the success you have as a trader or not. And if you don't have that awareness and you're still kind of reacting in your day-to-day life, well, what do you think is going to happen when you start trading with money? Yeah. <laughs> the, most, the most stimulating, you know, more than sex, more than anything is money. You are not yeah. going to probably have the outcome you want if you haven't done some of this work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We should close it there. We should, we should close probably it close it there. Be grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful for this conversation. That was that was awesome. Thanksgiving is. Uh, I, I I wrote you and told you this, but you Thanksgiving, did. is my favorite holiday. Um, this because... is my card. <laughs>
0: wonderful human being. I <laughs> A very nice uh, thank you card from yeah, you. But this thank is you. yeah.
1: Just want to say Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because it forces everyone. Well, mm. I guess it doesn't force them, but it, for the most part puts everybody. And I think it was something that shifted in me early on in my life was wow. it made me be grateful um, yeah. on one day of the year. And it was like, I really like that. And it, it, yeah. it, and it's all about food. There's no pressure yes. of like uh, of the giving of res- or receiving if yes. you're yes. <laughs> uncomfortable you're right. with that.
0: You're right. It's just
1: being appreciating yeah. your family, appreciating the yeah. food. Yeah. Uh, be open to the conversations that you might yeah. get to have. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> totally. Especially the yeah. ones you don't agree with. Try to be exactly. as open as you can and receive that person's perspective and give them the benefit of the doubt that they may have, you know, reasons for that perspective, even if you can't even imagine what they are. Like, there is a reason, I promise you. Everybody has a perspective because of their experiences, good or bad, and it's formed them. So yeah. try to have patience with those Older generations that maybe don't see it the way you do if you're a younger <laughs> generation. So, thank you yeah. guys for listening and for watching. Uh, we have hopefully giving you some tools or some kind of things to think about uh which is of course what i hope for and please if you're willing to give us some comments in the comments box about the topics you want to see me address and or hear us talk about please do let us know and if you like it please give us a five-star rating on uh apple that always helps and uh hopefully we'll see you in the next episode thank you lucas today and have a happy thanksgiving
1: you too happy thanksgiving kim This has been the Wall Street Coach podcast with Kay Man Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at theWallStreetCoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.